0: a good time schedule, I think we'll be very well positioned, so therefore, you know, we are in the midst of a capital raise now. The hope would eventually be to go public. If we didn't have a U.S. presidential election next year, I would say I would normally suspect we'd do it by the end of next year, but with that political uncertainty, it could slip them as much
1: From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by Kyle Detweiler, the CEO of Cleverleafs. Kyle, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks very much for having me.
1: Well, I'm very excited. There's a lot of news about your company and a lot of attention right now. And I I want to dive into all the stuff that you're doing. But I I think for our listeners, it's important that we, we take it back a little bit. So I'd like to start off with your company, Northern Swan, which is an investment firm focused on transformative cannabis international investments. You're the CEO of Northern Swan and everyone pay attention to this one. Responsible for raising over a hundred million dollars, over a hundred million dollars raised to invest in cannabis. These guys are serious players and kind of under the radar. Let's start off there. Can you tell us about Northern Swan and some of the companies that you've invested in?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we started uh, Northern Swan really in 2016. You know, we've been analyzing the cannabis industry for a while and began really just investing in our own capital. We started with a small investment in a Canadian data and marketing company called Lift & Company, which is now uh, publicly traded in Canada. Really, that opened our eyes to the space. You know, we started to learn about consumer trends, the difference between flour and extract products, started to learn about the differences between the Canadian market and the United States. And it was really just kind of the eye-opener. Eventually, what we determined was that it was a little bit more difficult for us to make, say, 10 investments in 10 different companies and have a low level of influence. You know, I grew up investing at KKR, and the Blackstone Group, so generally control-oriented private equity style. And so, you know, we decided that we'd rather put all of that capital that we would normally 10 bets with and put it into one bet. And we did that down in Colombia at a time when I think most people thought we were flat out nuts. <laughs> uh, and, and now I think in retrospect, people appreciate what we've done down there. As we began to invest more and more in Colombia, the portfolio company or the investment company that we invested in down in Columbia was called Cleverly's. And we suddenly, you know, the 70% owner of the largest licensed producer in Colombia and decided that we had also incubated some projects in in Europe and said maybe it makes sense to combine these things so that the Colombian operation is sort of vested in the success of Portugal and Germany and vice versa, and really make it one big happy family.
1: Wow. And so it was recent, in November, you officially changed the name merged the two companies and you were announced as the ceo of the new entity which is called clever leaves and you have subsidiaries in Colombia, portugal canada united kingdom germany united states as far as i can tell you were one of the largest hemp and medical cannabis producers in the world is that accurate
0: Yeah, always tough to to measure, you know, by employee count. You know, we have over 750 employees. I think that generally shocks most people as measured by square footage. You know, we have about 1.9 million square feet of cultivation capacity in greenhouses, plus about 70 million square feet of outdoor properties. That's very big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we are in terms of kind of blockbuster Netflix, you know, consider us, you know, a new business model, right? We're a low cost, sustainable producer and we are only operating in federally legal markets. So the regulatory barriers to getting, you know, the massive amount of production that we have to sale has taken longer than we would have liked. And so I think really cleverly is going to start to get known a lot more in 2020 when we kind of finally break down these barriers or overcome the challenges that are required to become one of the first producers in Colombia, exporting to the UK, to Germany, and maybe the United States someday.
1: Well, as somebody that really doesn't know anything about growing, it seems to me that you, you'd have a huge advantage with production coming out of Colombia.
0: Colombia is just an amazing terrain or biome for, for cannabis cultivation. You know, we weren't geniuses. We didn't fall in the bathtub and have our eureka moment. I think the world has known this for a long time. If you walked into a flower shop in New York City and you walked in there and wanted to order some roses, those roses were imported. There's a 7 in 10 chance those came from Columbia. So, Columbia has a great climate for this. The deviation of a length of day from the longest day to the shortest day of the year in terms of sunlight is a grand total of 12 minutes. Uh, (laughs) Basically, a perfect 12 hours of darkness, 12 hours of sunlight. We have the conditions that people spend hundreds of dollars per square foot to build and hundreds of dollars per kilogram to grow, we get all that conditioning that, you know, everybody in the United States and in indoor facilities or Canada tries to trick the plant into feeling. we get all of that for free. You know, the Americans and the Canadians try to trick the plant into feeling like it's in Columbia when it's really in Edmonton. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, there's some other more nuanced advantages, which I'll, I'll be frank, you know, we only found out by doing. You know, when we started in Columbia, we tested growing in seven or eight different pockets of the country. And we found out pretty quickly that at high elevations, we have lower yields, but we have lower pests. And if you're going to do cannabis without Pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and and that sort of thing. We decided to grow at eighty three hundred feet of elevation, higher than Denver, yeah. and, and that is a very different environment, but also very suited for what we're trying to do.
1: That is really interesting. You've used Mother Nature as your business partner, essentially, <laughs> to give you an advantage over
0: everybody. Yeah, and and I think it goes beyond that too. I mean, you know, we went into an area in Colombia where ninety percent of employment was informal. So when suddenly a, a legitimate employer, you know, willing to follow the labor laws of Colombia, willing to pay a little bit of a premium and also go out of its way to bus workers in so that they can maximize their time, with their family, you know provide lunches, English lessons, and a variety of other things. That's been really important for us.' We've also made social impact is a key cornerstone of our business. So we employ more than seventy percent women uh, in Colombia, wow. and more than half of those are single mothers. And in that country, this is actually a tip and or an idea from one of our investors that employed a similar strategy in their restaurant business. And we found that also to be quite effective, not just about recruiting but about what we say is cultivating mojo, you know, really making this a place that people love to come to. They really feel like they're making a difference, and I think that's been a nice competitive advantage as well.
1: I think it's great. It's a great that you're having an impact in the community, not just taking your um, products and moving it out of, the, out of the country, but actually having an impact on the community. I think that's that says a lot about your company. You mentioned earlier that you have 700 and... You know, I'm closing in on 800 employees, and they're all over the world. I know you have a commitment also in Portugal. Maybe we can talk about that for a minute.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it was great. You know, we've always been very thrifty people. Maybe it was my humble uh, upbringing in South Dakota, you know, public school before taking out hundreds of thousands of, of loans to pay for an expensive East Coast education. You know, we're very thrifty. You know, we found a very interesting opportunity in Portugal to actually buy a distressed greenhouse that was being run by an agricultural company in Australia, ironically. Huh. They entered financial trouble. And so they had just expanded to Portugal and Tennessee, of all places, and you know decided to shut down the business due to problems in Australia. And they sold the business to a group who didn't have interest in Tennessee and Portugal, just because they didn't have any operations over there. So if you ever watch one of those disease outbreak movies where you know somebody walks into a building and like you know the computer screens are still on the (laughs) tv still showing the nightly news like that's what the facility was like it was perfect for us had a hundred thousand square feet of existing greenhouse had existing infrastructure for processing that we could retrofit at at low cost and already in just a couple of months we own about i think nine million square feet of land in Portugal, I don't think there are published statistics, but that may make us the largest landowner of any cannabis company in continental Europe. Wow. And, and also, you know, we're walking into a community which was expecting an agricultural company to put several million square feet of greenhouse in there. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I've learned in cannabis is if you're the first guy to come in and you say, hey, I wanna go you know, grow two million square feet of smelly cannabis, mm-hmm. you, you run into some opposition. When you run into a community was expecting a project and didn't get that, as opposed to being sort of like this intruder, really more like a white knight in that area, trying to bring employment, which was promised to that area, albeit through different means.
1: Yeah, that, that worked out great for you guys. Like you said, you you sort of stumbled into it, but it was a, sounds to me like a perfect opportunity. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, you, you just said that you could be the largest cannabis landowner in Europe, and... That just goes back to what I said at the beginning, where you you know you quietly snuck up on the industry, but not in the investment community. You raised over a hundred million. You just finished a Series D round in uh, two thousand nineteen. I, th- I think it was close to sixty million. What's the plans for continuing raising capital?
0: I, I think you know we are still pre cash flow positive, and that's because of these growth initiatives, Portugal we're super excited about. I think the the market slowdown in cannabis. Only means great things to those that will survive and, and persist. I think if I looked at all of the pitch decks of everybody who was going to build these super expensive facilities in Europe, I'd predict, you know, 80% of those won't get constructed anymore. Mm-hmm. Which means when we were really, con, you know, conservative in our financial forecasts, assuming there was a glut in Europe in four years, you know, that may not happen now. So I think if we can get our operations up and running on a good time schedule, I think we'll be very well positioned. So therefore, you know, we are in the midst of a capital raise now. The hope would eventually be to go public. If we didn't have a U.S. presidential election next year, I would say I would normally suspect we'd do it by the end of next year. But with that political uncertainty, it could slip into 2021.
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, our listeners will be very excited when that happens. And we'd love to have you back on the show when you know, when you're closer to that date, because... This is an investment that I, I know will be a lot of excitement around. We'll certainly want to have you back on the show when that happens. What's the plan for the next, say, 12 months?
0: We still have some big milestones to achieve, even though we've already broken down a lot of barriers in this, in this industry. still have a few more to go. I mean, when we started, again, most people thought we were nuts going to Colombia, but we've proven that we can grow down there, proven that we can process. You know, in Columbia, we now have one of the only GMP-certified cannabis processing facilities south of the United States. We also just received our famous THC quota in Colombia. You know, we've been authorized to sell and export approximately 1,000 kilograms of high-THC medical cannabis. To my understanding, that is the largest quota given out by the Colombian government. We have to do right by that, and we're already focused on using that quota for shipments to countries such as Germany. We have uh, a number of upcoming milestones to achieve over there. Hopefully, we'll begin picking through those in second quarter or third quarter. The one thing I will caution people that even though we've done a lot of the company, you know, we've got 750 people in three continents. We've raised $100 million of capital. We've built what we think is the second largest greenhouse operation in in medical cannabis in the Western Hemisphere. The hardest thing we ever did was build a drywall in Frankfurt. You know, it is just a complicated place to operate. We're trying to upgrade our Wi-Fi in our building. That might take three months.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so things just take a little bit longer. I mean, it's also good because the rules of the road are very, very clear. You know, this is not a market where you have to worry about the rules shifting or different political interests changing the landscape on you. You don't have that concern, but in exchange for that, you know, you do have a lot of, uh, a lot of paperwork, a lot of process. And so that's what our teams in Frankfurt are nose to the grindstone uh, focused
1: on. Well, this is it's very exciting to have spoken with you today. And just think, you're not even in the United States yet. I mean, really, the sky's the limit for your company. Yeah, every day, got to be racing to get to work because this is an exciting time. I, I'm really happy for you. This is fun. Uh, we've been speaking with Kyle Detweiler, the CEO of the new company Cleverleaves, And we'll have Kyle's contact information on the MJ Bulls website. Kyle, this has been a real pleasure. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride, both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth, both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.